0: his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leashed into 11-under. We've got a new leader, kids. Here it is! Adam Scott! A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going Inside the Ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au.
3: G'day everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes episode number 122. Lovely to be here. Lovely to have you with us. Uh, the regulars are here. Well, they're not so regular. Martin Blake. We haven't seen you for a while, Blakey. Well,
1: I went to Japan, Andy. Well, so half your luck, Blakey. Played golf at the foot of Mount Fuji. There you go. Hazy's probably seen the photos on. I social saw a photo. Media, I saw I your photos of you. Actually, now you mentioned it, uh, that, that was great. Thank you. Shout struck... out to the Tohao Club. Nice. Uh, at the foot of Mount Fuji. Worth, worth seeing, worth playing. Strike it okay? I hit it pretty well. Good. I hit one shank uh, and never saw the ball again. And that is a particular affliction of mine, unfortunately. Right. You don't want to stand on the right-hand side of me when you play golf because right. I can probably hit one every time every time at play. Yeah. But what Someone will write a thesis one day about why the shank, why does it never go to a good place? Why does it just roll off under the trees? Yeah, no, you know, that's a good point. It just disappeared into... Undergrowth that I couldn't find the ball. It never goes to a good place. A shank never goes to a good place. It's, it's probably, there's probably there's somebody will have to make us do a study on that
3: at some stage and explain to us yeah. why it's not. Spo- I don't think the shank's supposed to go to a good place. By the way, well, you, it's not yeah, a it's, desired outcome.
1: I always call a good player's bad shot, but. <laughs> <laughs> is that just to make
3: yourself feel but, a bit better, or yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, big show coming up: Shiloh like Curtis, Jack Trent, Mav, and Cliff are going to join us on the way. through. it wouldn't be inside
4: the ropes without him. You can hear him tittering away in the background. <laughs> Hello, Hazy. Hello, Murray. I'm just wondering what Blakey's doing. What's Japanese for, for Shank? I'm not sure.
5: Actually, oh, oh you should have found that out. Yeah, we probably... can't
4: reward mediocrity, buddy. Yeah. If you Shank one. I don't I feel bad even saying it. You've got to pay the
1: price. I've almost hit a few people. I nearly hit Bob Shearer one day, by the way. <laughs> it went straight past his nose and he just in Bob's laconic way, he just sort of looked across at me as uh, to say, What the <laughs> what
4: was that? <laughs> right. Now I look, I know these are big picture issues in golf Blakey, but there's and we generally try to restrict ourselves to golf here, but there is something that's a bit more broader that's coming to our attention and there's a bit of audio I'd like to play you. I'm not sure if you caught up with it from Japan. I'm <laughs> a celebrity. Right. Uh, right. That was Pickett Palace and their debut of their soon-to-be smash hit single, Andy Mar. <laughs> no mention of Inside the
3: Ropes in that song.
4: So there was an oversight I brought up with the boys oh. after the show.
3: So,
1: um, does uh, the front bar go to Queensland and New South Wales, Andy? I
3: don't uh, know, possibly not, or is yeah, it, it on late or something? Yeah, oh, something does. Does. Yeah. So If you
1: haven't <laughs> seen the front bar, that's what they thats what they dished up for the grand final show last week. And what about some of the dancing? Uh, oh. oh, it was like Devo at their very finest.
4: No, I
3: was channeling my inner Peter Garrett. Oh, yeah? yeah. I can see so that. A bit, a bit of there's a bit of oils, classic sort of oils, late like 70s,
4: early 80s. Has about. there been a bigger head wobble on that show?
3: That is, it, it, this was. There was no head wobbling going on. <laughs> About five minutes before we played that, or well, before the boys played that song, one of the fellas to my left, either Malloy or Panks, in fact, it was Malloy, said, you know what you should do? It was in the ad break before. He said, you should run down there and go and jump on the stage when they're singing the song. And if you know the ESPY, it's a hard, it's where we were at the back of the Gershon room, down to the basement bar. She's a fair hike. And they were, it, oh, the right. joint was packed. Like, it was heaving. So to get from where we were, it was going to be a fair effort. But I had one of our big producers, Johnny Ara who was on the Hawthorne list for a while. Big man, all right, about six foot six of him. He was my fullback and I was his running back. <laughs> and I just tucked him behind him and he's cut the swathe through the crowd. And the rest is a sad and tragic history on On front. it's just is television history. Yeah, no, no. Well, so. in
4: all seriousness, it, it, you know, you've done very well to have a song written that about That is
3: it. true. How do you reckon that song and the Pickett Palace's general body of work would go with the golf fraternity? The average age of you know, most golfers.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure there's a match up there. <laughs> I don't know whether it all. Sits <laughs> not all sure that there's a synergy.
3: <laughs> synergy. Pick it as well, I love the boys. They're awesome, but I don't know whether it's song du jour of uh, or music du jour of uh, most golfers in Australia. I think
4: combination of Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody playing footy and Andy Marr would you know open up for yeah, the next um, interstate uh, series. Stick with the McDonald Tip and Woody. I reckon that's.
3: Ah, uh, so thanks for doing that, Hazy. That's got <laughs> oh, the show no, off your was, fly. That was <laughs> top. <top-notch laughs> we goal couldn't let that through. Yeah, the no, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, where <laughs> do we want to start? do? We want, Rory, do we want to start with Rory? Rory sort of yeah. sort of lit a little bit of a fuse in the golfing fraternity.
1: He has fraternity it's this a bonfire. Golf course is helped by the way of John Huggan, our uh, yeah. our esteemed colleague colleague, well, well, uh, who did the interview with Rory. How, he's how, he's he's put
3: it out there, hasn't he? Now, so if you haven't heard seen the interview, basically McIlroy saying that
1: course setups. Particularly in the, in Europe, are too easy, which is why he's he's basing himself in America. Mm. That's what he says. Yeah, I actually found some stats on
4: this, Andy. Given that it's become a bit of a hot topic, um, a guy called Nosferatu on Twitter, who is he's he's normally guru, the ranking, he? is he's guru. a vampire, isn't he? <laughs> he is a yeah. vampire. Yeah. Uh, he said this is actually fascinating. The average winning scores to par of the regular stroke play events in 2019, no majors and WGCs, European Tour. 16.1 under par. Yep. PGA Tour, 18.3 under par. Yeah. Average scores to par for the tied uh, the T26 to T30 places. European Tour, 5.9 under par. PGA Tour, 6.8 under par. So it's almost the exact opposite of what Rory's saying.
3: So Rory's obviously been influenced by the first three rounds of the Dunhill, where there's obviously a lot of amateurs in the field. And the thing's set up... You know, pin, so, in the, pin in the middle. Yeah, so so they can they don't feel like they're out of the game, and he's look well, he's clearly got his reasons for saying it, but the numbers don't support the claim, really. No, they don't support the claim at all. And when we see the major events in Europe, i.e. the Open Championship, up
1: in the north of Ireland, oh, Rory didn't make the cut. So, I mean, there's isn't it just that he it suits him better to base himself in America now and play mostly there. He said himself, Rory, that he he wants to travel less. You know, he doesn't want to try and do that two-continent thing. And he won the FedEx Cup last year, which was kind of vindication of that. It's interesting. It did create a, a bit of a Twitter storm. And uh, Ernie else did you see his yeah. his reaction, Hazy? Yeah. I'll just read it out. This is from Ernie. I agree 100% with Rory. When we toughened up the West course, that would be at Wentworth, Hazy? Yep. yep. Six under one, the BMW PGA. Had so much blowback from players, we had to ease up and now 20 under wins. European Tour flagship tournament and other top events need courses, major tough. Test the best. So and on the, That was from Ernie. So, okay, right, oh, yeah. On the flip side of that. Andrew Coltart who's
4: known to many Australian golf fans, yep. he's a regular visitor out here for years and I think won a couple of tournaments out here yep. from memory. Yep. Did he win a big one? Might even? have won the, PG, won the PGA, PGA, didn't yeah, 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 he? Yeah, might have. Yeah. Uh, and he's still heavily involved in, in golf. He's a commentator for Sky Sports now as well over there. Uh, have to be careful there's no knee-jerk reaction to course setup. Courses must not, in capital letters, promote one-dimensional golf, which is the issue that we'll probably talk about in a second here. Length alone doesn't make a player. Have to be fair and provoke mental as well as physical skills. Think rough, tight, fairways isn't always the answer.
3: Well, so, so look at, Lucas Herbert weighed into this and yeah. because, because inevitably the conversation turns to how far the ball goes and equipment. Mm. So that, that's where it tends to land. And clearly Herbie's got an issue with that being the go-to. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out, look, the weather, the weather was pretty benign and the court, and the greens were soft. They were set up soft and there must have been maybe some rain in the lead up or whether they, whether there was weather preceding the event or they actually had the course set up soft so that it was a bit more playable for um, you know, the handicapped players in the field. I'm not quite sure what. But he said this is not a routine. This is not the way it is week in, week out. In fact, quite the opposite. But for the demand for straight driving in America, it probably had a bit more... From sort of one fifty in, probably had a bit more of an American feel about it in the first three days than a typical European feel about it, particularly a coastal links. Yeah, feel the Kingsbarns
4: ones didn't look like a normal Lynx, did it? No, I mean, no. It looked like it had far less run than what you'd expect to see mm. in that Scottish in that area of Scotland. Oh, those so those numbers that I read out yeah, before they're, from fair, they're really they interesting. Bear out um, what Herbie's saying, really. Yeah, yeah. and I think that um, you know the. It comes back to length because the European courses, by and large, are much drier uh, than the American counterparts. Yep, yep, yep. So the ball runs a lot further. They and like it,
1: green in America.
4: Yeah. So yeah. I think you know it, it stands to reason that the uh, you know the drives could theoretically be longer in Europe because of the the way the, the terrain's set up and the brown nature of it compared to the American golf. But gee, it just it all always comes back, and and Huggy and Mike Clayton. Uh, obviously, shepherded the debate from from our perspective back towards the the, the whole distance debate again. And yeah, I, like yep. as as Herbie saying, I'm not. We don't need to throw the you know the baby out with the bathwater and just wind everything back willy nilly. But we need to, we really need to start acting on this because it's impacting on everything. Yeah, like it really is. You know, from agronomy, from time on course, all, all these things. And people now are lining up putts that they once just walked up and tapped in. It adds another 10 minutes to the round here and mm. 20 minutes there. And it's just – it's it's to the point where it's a hot topic of conversation everywhere you go. Mm. So I don't know what your thoughts on it, Andy, directly are. Well, I think are, I don't
3: – I'm just prepared to I'm, – I'm it's a bit, climate, the, bit the climate change debate here for me. I, I don't understand the absolute intricacies of it enough to have a strong technical argument to mount – so I'm prepared to listen to those who do know about it. And if for, for too long now, people who understand golf course architecture and the threat to classical golf courses have been saying for long enough now that the golf ball goes too far. Simple yeah. as that. The golf ball goes too far. And, you know, we saw a couple of drivers, the in-play testing of the drivers for the first time was conducted on the PJ Tour this week. And I think there were five players who had non-conforming drivers. Now that doesn't mean they're cheating, but it just means they've got drivers that, that aren't within the tour rules. So, so,
1: well, the faces change over that, time. That's right. So, so yeah. it can be legal. Well, that's it, true. Legal one day and then
2: yeah, you know, a bit so later not. But that, those Does numbers,
4: it, those boundaries are set at, with parameters um, of extension already built in. Like there's a there's a, a leeway. So I'm, you know, I don't depending on what the tests are, and I'm not a technical person, but let's say the number is one point zero, but they'll give a leeway to one point one, you know, ten percent, ten percent buffer. So the companies that who have these things, you know, tuned up like an F1 race car, you know, they're that highly strung these the equipment these days. They're not working to one point zero, they're working to one point one, and do they occasionally go over by by a beast? Yeah. And the answer is clearly yes, yeah. but they're not working within the. Expected parameters. They're working within the tolerance allowance, and that's another big problem.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: You know, what are we actually fair income about this or not? And because head size,
1: head size of a driver. You know, I don't, I don't think they'll ever reduce the head size for for the amateur because it, it helps too much for the for the poor to average player. But for pro golfers to have the you know a double decker bus to hit with, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think they've got to do something about that. It's just we we always talk about the ball, but we forget that they've got these giant. Giant, giant driver heads that they can swing incredibly hard at, and know that even a little miss hit is going to Gonna still go, go, okay. go three hundred yards. So Actually, Andrew Cameron Cole, Champ, by the way, um, yeah, well, yeah. W- watched him finish up the other day, and he hit his drive three hundred sixty nine yards having on the last hit,
3: hole, having hit four fairways all day. So yeah. he'd been driving. poorly. a flat, a flat hole. Yeah. It wasn't downhill.
1: So, 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 two things on that. Once
3: somebody says knee jerk, let's not get knee jerk on this. I think it might have been coltart. Yep. Um, there's been all sorts of suggestions subsequent to Rory's comments. I think Johnny John Hagen might have said, "Take the hybrids out of the bag. Don't yeah. let pros have hybrids. Make him hit two irons yeah. because it's a far more difficult club to hit." And I think Scott Michaud, one of the American golf writers, said, "Only let pros play with eight clubs." Mm-hmm. So, so already there are there, these are knee jerk
4: react. These are pretty significant. And I don't know how legit, but that I, I love Scott and he's a great bloke. Mm-hmm. But that's that's. Sorry, Scott, you, you might even listen to this, um, but that's nonsensical because right now they only use four or five clubs well, that's Exactly right. So yeah. they're using driver, hybrid, and three sand irons and yeah. a putter. Yeah,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah.
1: Champ, you know, who is the personification of this, you know, swings at 130 miles an hour. Uh, he had eight iron into the par five, 18. Crazy, uh, crazy. There at Silverado the other day. Insane. He him. didn't hit the green, but he had eight iron in. Yeah.
3: So can I just, to, to my last question on this. Okay, 9 under to make the cut whatever it was at at Dunhill, right? Mm. And Rory says what he says. Yep. I don't know how much of the two tournaments you watched over the weekend, how much TV you watched. I watched enough to get a sense for which I'd rather watch. Oh, I still give me, give me the, give me the 30 27 under or 22 under winning in Europe or whatever it what Perez had. What did he actually win with in the end? 22 under? Oh,
4: it was more than that. Was
3: it more than that? Okay, whatever he won with. Give me give me that Give me those courses and the golf I was watching played on those courses, as opposed to the mundane. So you st- when you saw the aerials at Napa, it yeah, it was enough to make you fall asleep. Some of the ho- hole designs on that course and the golf that was getting played
4: actually it was twenty two
3: under. Twenty two right. under. But so it, wasn't he, a,
4: he shot a seventy at St Andrews on the last day. So. Yeah,
3: but it wasn't like that he's shooting shooting thirty six under to win. I mean, no. short sure, that yeah, the 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 cut line was high, but it wasn't in the end. It wasn't out of control what he shot was not embarrassing what he shot to win the thing? You yeah. know, no, this,
1: this debate's going to go on for a long time, isn't it? Uh, I just feel like golf, being the game that it is, it's going to cha- It will change eventually, but they'll, they'll, they'll make a change, the authorities. But it's going to come at glacial pace, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems.
3: I reckon right in about so. five years' time. So, have either of you got a final word on this? Like,
4: have you? All these suggestions have been bowled up, is it? Well, firstly, I love Rory and I love that he speaks his mind. So So I'm not potting him for that at all. I just think this time he's probably got it a a little wrong from my perspective, and the numbers from Nosferatu sort of bear that out. Mm. I mean, the issue is not the setup per se; it's it's what's causing uh, the balls to, (laughs) to roll so far to make mid and short irons or mid and long irons irrelevant in the game to me. And I, as Blakey says, that that debate's been raging for ages. But I, you know. If we're talking about it and it's got a relevant voice in it, that's a good thing because that's the only way change will happen. Mm. Yeah, keep mm. talking about it. Keep talking yeah. about it. We should uh, touch on that tournament, Andy. I don't know about your running sheet, but while we're there, we oh, should. I've got a running sheet. I'll just make it up as I go along. Is that right? <laughs> You're the one with the running sheet. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> oh, well, I Which mean,
3: tournament do you want to talk about? Europe or?
4: No, the, uh, from an Australian perspective and from camera Champs' perspective. Oh, the, the, big results. In, yeah, from yeah, in Napa Valley. Yeah. I mean, uh, from go with champ first and finish up with him. That was a pretty emotional sort of yep. finale. He's obviously his grandfather's in a world of trouble and may or may not see out this weekend, unfortunately. But um, you know, to see what that all meant, and he was obviously brought the family from the wrong side of the tracks to the current champ position. And um, yeah, that was pretty emotional. So good on him. Uh, you could see what it meant to roll in that little birdie putt to win on the last. He hmm. broke down there. It was it was
1: pretty moving. He played really well, he you did. know, and, uh, that drive that I mentioned, that 369 yard drive down the last hole, that was when he walked to the 18th tee and someone else, I can Adam Hadwin, Hadwin, Hadwin yeah. Adam Hadwin from Canada yeah. had just birdied the last, so he'd got within one. So, yeah. so he's under, he'd been well in front all day. He'd been as many as three or four in front, I think at one stage. Uh, chipped so, in at one stage? Yeah. He chipped in for par, mm um, uh, you know, uh, and some good Australian results too. Hazy actually, it was it was a pretty decent week. Yeah, those.
4: and I was really nervous, to be honest with you. And we'll talk Presidents Cup in a minute, but um, I was really getting nervous about Mark Leishman when he withdrew a few weeks ago mm. from the tournament. Um, I want to say it was the Greenbrier. I wasn't I'm not one hundred percent sure. He had a but, back injury. Yeah, yeah I'm not one hundred percent sure mm. what it was, but I just thought, oh, and that's really poor timing with the you know the Presidents Cup looming, and he's he's the number one mm. gun for us as it stands. Um, but yeah, 67, 65 on the weekend in the Napa Valley, and um, that was that's fantastic. If it goes on a little longer, he probably wins neither here nor there. But to get back in form before the Asian swing and then coming home is going to be really important for him, I reckon. Mm, so even though it's it, even though it's not a big event, it was good to see him roll the putter a bit better. And uh, the big result, I think, from an Australian perspective, even though he wasn't quite as high, was the t- T7 of of our man Cameron Percy. That's great. I mean, it's a great result. As, a,
1: what a turnaround that it's is. Humble.
3: It's fina- This is fantastic at this stage of his career and yeah. everything he's been through the you know the wrist thumb, that sort of nearly He's 45 yeah. Yeah 40 yeah, maybe mm. one maybe well, he had one to that I think. And you so heard, he picked you up he... 200 grand. Hazy. yeah.
1: Two hundred grand after a hundred hundred plus the week
4: before. Three
3: hundred twenty the last two weeks. US yeah.
1: jumps in. That's great. And
4: he's he's you know knocking on the door of the top dozen in the FedEx Cup. He's almost got his almost got his card for next year, like the twenty twenty one season. Well, from, I was trying f- to look at that, Hazy, and I wasn't.
1: I, I don't think he's there yet. But no, he's not. I, but I actually thought that he would be, but when I looked at kind of the the money list for last year, which I know it goes off FedEx points, yeah. which are hard to work out, but um, he's not there close. yet. But gee, it's a It's a hell of a good start.
4: Well, if you look at it right now, um, he and Rian Gibson basically trod the same path back to the tour Mm. through the Corn Ferry finals last year. And this week at the uh, Shriners Hospital thing in Las Vegas, um, Rian Gibson at the moment, as we record, is the first alternate. And right now, Cam Percy's in. And that shows you the importance for those guys of doing something special at the start of the year. And Cam, without winning, has done something really special. Mm. To be in the top 14, I think he is, in the FedEx Cup rankings right now. That's phenomenal. Sets him up for his entire year. Probably gets him a card next year. And he, and I, I know for a fact. Uh, yesterday he was given a spot in the Australian Open, which he didn't have. So just great news. Tick tick tick. And you know he talked about wanting to come home a few weeks ago when we were chatting to him. So that's just a win.
3: And I, I don't look. We know him enough, but we don't know him intimately. But I don't know whether he's the sort of bloke that has. I don't think he's the sort of bloke that has too many kind of anxieties about, you know, where he fits in and can he compete and all that sort of stuff? But it's only natural that you do as a pro at some stage, I think when you've been on the outside looking in for a while, have those concerns. Can I really play with these guys anymore? Well, he can. I mean, the last Absolutely. couple of weeks have proven to everybody and I'm sure reminded him that, yeah, he can cut it with these. And he, he went past a lot of them yeah. on the final. and got himself into a tie for second at one stage in running yeah. on the Sunday. So, you know, he, um, he's, he's right back in the game now and, He's, he can, he can, you know, this, this gives him the freedom now to set himself a schedule and go out there with a mindset yeah, he, of winning, you know. He doesn't have to play every week. No, yeah. no, no, no. He's not chasing it now, which is, mm. which is fantastic. So y- y- you mentioned President's Cup. We said he's, which set each other the challenge this week of being captain. So we know the eight, we know the the eight that are, you know, that are automatics. automatics. Um, I've got the four here as well. Have you? Yeah. You've done it. Ernie. Yeah, I've got it. You've slept in have you? Yeah. Oh, well, why don't yeah. you go and I'll see if I, we
1: agree with you. <laughs> I've got this document here. I, I've got four and I've picked a couple of I'd love so to the... say this dropped off the back of a truck uh, via Mr. Ernie Els or something. But that, will we talk about America first? No, no. I don't get stuff
3: about that. Yeah. They're okay. only ticking the, pres- the, the, the internationals.
1: Yeah. So, 9, 10, 11, 12, on the, on I've the got rankings... Got I've got I forget was, about was the rankings. ...was Day, Jenna, Watan and Is that right? Yeah. Sung Jae and Justin Harding. So... They were in the slot, but I, I've got a feeling Jason Day might not. Now Ernie said that there are a couple of obvious ones, and everyone has said since that that's probably Jason Day. So he he, he probably will pick Jason Day, but I personally think maybe not. I I sort of agree with John huggin whose column last week so controversial said don't pick Jason Day. I don't know that they, that he should pick Jason Day. Maybe he needs to go something different. So I, I'm going to go jazz. Yep, Hazy. You Jazz agree, is number though? nine. No, Sung J. M. no, I don't agree. But Sung on. J M, I think, should be there. He's number forty-seven in the world. He's rookie of the year on the PGA Tour. Is that right? And Justin Harding, who played so well at the Masters, I think he'd be in. And I reckon Joaquin Neumann from Chile, who won on the US Tour a few weeks ago, only twenty years of age, I reckon he's a, he would be a good pick because we, you know. The the internationals never win this thing, do they? They haven't won since nineteen ninety eight. So they need to probably do something a bit different, I reckon. All right, so I, I'm going to go Neumann, Harding, him, and Jenna Watton on. So I've gone four completely different than okay. that. Okay, four completely different.
3: Do you want to go or me? Uh, you go. I've gone. I've gone Hadwin. I've got Hadwin in. I reckon he's got three top tens in his last eight starts. And forty eight in the world. He's made of the right stuff. This bloke. I reckon he's a. I reckon he's a competitor. I don't think he's going to yeah. – I don't think he worries about who he's playing alongside. What about he won't Windows? be overawed. Assuming day – well, just assume that day's in, right? Because it's going to be – it would be – it's almost irresistible to leave him out. In Australia. But, but leave him – so pick four outside of day just in case there's some major controversy eventuates. I've got Eric Van Royen in. I, I, I think this bloke's a massive come-up. Missed a cut last week but was his six previous starts were all T20 or better, and he won the Scandinavian Masters. Right. I, I've been seduced by Clayton. He's got me. <laughs> and Rio Ishikawa, I've got oh. him in. I've got him in. He's back inside the top 100. What about his last six starts? Well, he'd want to be. They it's the President's Cup. <laughs> they are winks-like numbers, Blakey. His last six starts. three, six, five, thirteen, 13, one, one. That and is he, that's remarkable. What sort of, the
1: last time he won? He's won.
3: He's, and his most six most recent starts starts six and five were both wins. Right. So he's won twice in his last six starts, and he's okay. and the, he's got <coughs> excuse me three other top tens in his last six starts, and the only non top ten finish he had was a tie for thirteenth.
1: So I've Clayton, I, I, I'll give you one query on that, and Hazy will back me up on this. The last time that the Presidents Cup was played in in Australia in two thousand eleven. Uh, he turned up a day late. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Correct, Hazy? He did. I, <laughs> I don't think that's happened. Were we quite stunned at that? At the <laughs> right. We were. I wrote a really scathing
4: piece he in did. the Herald Sun, and I had, <laughs> I had the entire Japanese gonna... media <laughs> descend on my door the next morning. Oh, right.
3: <laughs> so will that be a black mark against his own? Is oh, that never to be so. selected again?
4: Well, it's funny because he, he was actually in a four ball, I think it was, on that first morning of the competition with Ernie Els. <laughs> and I was walking around with them watching them. It right. might have been the first match out, and they were getting their butts handed to him by Webb Simpson and Bubba, maybe something like that, and Ernie's telling him where to hit the ball it was like <laughs> C grade pen and practice. It was unbelievable
3: no, no that's anyway no. anyway, so if they don 't hold that against him and i 've got Ben Arnie. Yeah. Oh, he's a big game player. I think yeah. he's a big – so I've got four wow. completely He'd, different from you.
1: He's definitely a chance. That's fascinating.
4: But with, see,
3: well, you keep telling me that Ernie's going to go left field. So I I've, do, I I've do really opened will. my mind up here to some crazy possibilities. I like okay, it. Hazy. I like it.
4: Hazy, go. Uh, well, I actually really like Eric
1: Van Royen
3: So do too. I. I.
4: I think Day's a – You just like his pants. Harding, you'll have Harding. <laughs> no, no, I've got um, Day as an absolute certainty. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. With a 5-11-4 record in President's mm-hmm. Cup. I'm not saying not he should. Not a good should.
4: record. I'm, I'm not saying he should. I'm saying he is. He will be. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah. will be in there. Yeah. But if, if I have to pick four by Andy's instructions, I'm going with my first pick is going to Jazz. Yeah. Januwa I think he's a moral. Yeah. I really like Van Roy, as you say, he's yeah. a comer. Uh, Neiman, Joachim Neiman, to me, is he's franked his potential the other day, and I think that brings the whole continent on board, which mm-hmm. we've already got. Yeah. And I think we're almost certain to pick a Korean player. Mm. Um, Sung Jay. So, uh, well I'm not, I'm, I've am not. i been tossing up between Ben and Sung Jay Im So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle with Sung
1: M. Im um, But geez, not with any conviction oh, whatsoever oh, None of us have mentioned Sebastian Munoz No, from we Columbia, talked to him, who, talked to him. Who's, who not only won last week in America He was in the last group uh, on Sunday
3: As he poo-pooed him last week right. I oh, mentioned I, him last week and you poo-pooed him Well,
4: he's just coming from too far back I was yeah. asked yesterday by someone whether they thought that... Um, Cam Percy was a violent. That was me. Option. I asked you that.
3: Oh, yeah, you did too. <laughs> Jesus, how am I going?
4: <laughs> Sorry, mate. And, I, and I'm just, I, just, um, I just think that he would be an ideal pick. He'd be great. But he's coming from, you know, four furlongs back, yep. and, and we've rounded the corner. He's yeah, well, just... I remember
3: Kiwi at the, with 250 <laughs> to go in the 1983 Melbourne Cup. It was still second last. Jimmy Cassidy yeah. sitting as quiet as a church mouse. Yeah, we all know what happened in the last 250 metres of that famous race. That's true.
1: Take it as Red Woods, Fienau, Reed Fowler for the Americans. Oh, lock that in. Yeah.
3: Woods, Fienau, Reed,
1: Fowler. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with every single one
4: of them. I just
3: want blokes in my team who I'm confident won't shy away from the moment. Yeah. Won't they, it just won't get the better of them. That their knees won't tremble and do you if they're think over the four internationals Is there
1: any chance? Uh, uh, no. no. No, either do I. <laughs> no. I do. Yeah, but we we always, I always no, I always do. Funnily know. enough, you always fall for this age. I do. Uh it doesn't really matter. It's it's not really about that. It's not. My word, oh, no, you talking about? No. about? no, no, it's about we one of these. I'm dead serious. It doesn't matter. It you're doesn't matter. Explain it's yourself. Like the Presidents Cup is effectively a, a exhibition of golf and a celebration of golf. It doesn't matter who wins. We well, know. at the moment, the whole notion of it being I mean, called a Presidents Cup for international a bit. But when the oh, idiot's not coming out, is he? Otherwise, it would have died. 20 10 years I, ago I Hazy, I because I couldn't, the, uh, I couldn't the internationals disagree never with you
4: more. I couldn't disagree with you more this if if the international this course royal melbourne is the closest thing we have to a home ground um because it's yeah, the it's most just, distant yeah. thing from the yep. us tour yep not that that means anything because they the Americans adapt well but if we don't win here it's going to be really hard pressed to make a case that we can win in the future and i think the heat will if if we were to get smacked like we were in New Jersey, I reckon the heat will come big time for a readjustment of the entire format. Well, they
1: should. They should cut the teams by about four for a yeah, start. Yeah, well, that, that that could be something. Or adding a
4: help. adding make a women's it, element,
3: make it a men and women's tournament. Yes,
4: and so I think that there's a lot T- hinging on Whittaker's this result. Idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Mm. A Lot hinging on this result. Like if it's a if it's a fifteen and a half. Uh, 12 and a half or whatever the number yeah, it Competitive, is. Yep, it's competitive yep. well that's okay that's fine we can handle losing but if we go down like we did in New Jersey again yeah. I reckon it's the death knell for the president in, it, in, its, in, its in its current but people have been saying that for a while format. Hazy,
1: and it still goes on and there'll still be 30,000 people out there Yeah, no, no. because people love watching the Americans as well
4: that's true but that, if we had a one off
1: event where they all came and there was a 20 million dollar purse that would still be true it'd be nice if it was more Evenly balanced, you know, like the Ryder Cup. They changed, didn't they? They used to have Great Britain and Ireland. They b- made yeah. it into Europe, mm. you know. But very, very simple way of making this very even, very quickly,
4: and that's making it a mixed event. Yeah,
3: give us the Korean women. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Pretty much. And <laughs> own. I thought and you were going to say we still allow. a couple of the Aussies allow sledging. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, uh, let's get a break here. Yeah. If you want to send in your, if you're you be captain as well, by the way, add inside the ropes. You know our social media platforms, particularly our Twitter. Feed, send through your four captains' picks. We might put together – Hazy, you can compile. You can put our four down and – or get one of your minions in there on the media. You've got <laughs> six or seven people in the media team now, yeah. Golf Australia. Yeah. Um, you can get somebody to compile a leaderboard uh, as according to the picks that Well, I'll through. put
4: it out on – Inside the underscore ropes on Twitter, yeah. and then people can react. Yeah, um, so, yeah. we, we are working last week, just one bit of homework, Andy. Yeah. Um, the videos that I have seen from uh, our man Lucas Michelle from from um, St. Andrews hitting the ball from his... Oh, have we
3: got the vision? I've got the three oh, videos. We yes. haven't compiled them oh, together. Oh, I've just got, got to clear on. it
1: with lawyers. Oh. <laughs> okay.
3: And Shanku, by the way.
1: Shanku is the Japanese for shank. Correct. Uh, unfortunately, I was using that a bit. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> no, no shanku, Mr. Blake. Mm. Uh, break. Shiloh Curtis to join us next and tell her what's going on in her portfolio in this great game that we, all, that we love so much. You're listening to Inside the Ropes.
6: Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au.
3: Welcome back to the show. It is inside the ropes. Uh, lovely to have you with us, and lovely to welcome back to the show. It's about probably over a year, I reckon, yeah. hazy since we last had Shiloh Curtis on the program. Female engagement senior manager at Golf Australia. I think I've got the title right. I'm always worried about Golf Australia um, job titles. They go for too long. There's too many words involved. How are
6: you? I'm really well, and yes, I, I, right? I take your point. I do take your point on that. It took me. I did have one title when I came in. <sighs> I think it was a national female participation manager. And then in the one golf world, it did get changed. So it took me about four months to get my own mouth around my own title. But Senior um, manager, it, female judge. It. Is that and it? You absolutely nailed it.
3: Right. So I reckon the last time we had you in uh, was not long after the launch of Vision 2025, which we had, I think Stephen Pitt might have come in at the time, Hazy, and laid that out. We had you on pretty soon thereafter, shy having a chat about it all. It's, you've been on a road show, um, which I love the sound of. Is it what I imagine it to be? You've gone all over the place sort of testing, or not talking to people about where we're at and um, how this thing's rolling out. Tell us tell us about this roadshow. Yeah, show. it probably
6: is exactly what you imagine it to be. So we hit 51 locations across eight territories and states in Australia um, across eight months. We started back in January down in Tasmania, and uh, we've had over 1,400 people attend the roadshows um, with 576 clubs or district board members uh, attend um, the roadshow. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty extensive, but we really targeted or invited in uh, club leaders. And in my view, they're the most important people in, in the game. I, I, as, I, as I've said to the people in the roadshow, I'm not that important. I sit here at head office and I facilitate a national strategy. But at the end of the day, a new person to the game doesn't ever see me unless I drag them to a course with me. But what they do see is they walk into a golf club and the first person they're going to meet is the golf pro behind the counter or, you know, the receptionist or the golf club manager or the club president or a general member. Or, and the and the other thing that they'll they'll experience is the culture of the club. You can't touch it, but you certainly feel it. Yeah. And and culture is determined by who golf club leaders. Mm. So the shop front of the sport actually is not me. It's got nothing to do with me, but it's got to do with all of the people that facilitate our golf clubs and facilities around the country. And that's why we invited those spe- people specifically to the roadshow because we want to talk wanted to connect them to their passion, which they love the game, their purpose. They've all got a role, a leadership role in the sport and within their club. Um, and then their platform, you know, they have something that no one else in the, in the golf, the general golf community has, and that's the opportunity to lead and facilitate change moving forward. And I'm a firm believer that attitude reflects leadership. So, um, we've really got them to sort of, um, to sort of focus in on, I, I guess, their massive opportunity that they've got to help us lead the sport forward. But they're the most important people in the game because they facilitate the shop front of the game.
4: Have they had their eyes opened?
6: Well, I think they have. I think the the, the great thing about the roadshow has been that it's gotten a conversation started. You know, this mm. is a very long... I mean, the, the issues around women's engagement in the game are very long. It's been 50 years of decline. We know that. Um, 1970, one in three golf club members was female. Now it's barely one in five. So mm. I guess that's why my appointment's here. Stacey Peters appointed into her role. Um, and the Vision 2025 strategy's there. But this is going to take a long time. It's a it's a seven-year strategy for a reason. You can't change 60,000 years of gender inequality in a sexy two-year strategy <laughs> that you put on a piece of paper. Um, it's a slow process. And we know, and I certainly know, that golf now <laughs> is a very long game. And, and, and you need to go slow at times. So um, really, this last 12 months has been about foundation building and starting conversations. So, yes, I think they've had their eyes opened a little bit. Certainly, when we present the statistical case for change, and when you even and when you even talk with our golf club leaders, many of whom joined the sport forty, fifty years ago, when they were a beginner in the game, socially, culturally, the world was really different. Um, even from a financial perspective, yeah, when yeah, you yep. talk about the cost of living for young families, you know, when I put the numbers to them, mo- you know, it's one, you know one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars if you want to get into the house, mar- housing market mm. in a metropolitan centre. Mm. You start your financial journey as a young person. And it takes on average five years for a university graduate to find long term, secure, full time, ongoing employment in the field of their study. Their financial journey starts when they're twenty seven now. At least twenty seven. And they're trying to get married and have kids and get a house and you know, where do you have three, four, five thousand dollars for a golf club membership? And so that sort of thing has really opened their eyes up. But you know, I'll give, I'll give our golf club leaders absolute credit that they've been open to the conversation. Um, they've, they've attended, they've bought in, and, and certainly some of the feedback we're getting from the impact survey that we've done has been really positive, and um, they're prepared to have a crack, and they're doing something about it.
3: Where do schools fit in all of this? You're talking about golf clubs, and that's where you've been going to. Is there a part of your strategy... As well, getting into schools.
6: Yeah, look, we do facilitate the uh, the sporting schools program that the federal the federal government um, provides funding for deliveries of sports across um, across the country, and and um, that goes from. Uh, up to year eight in highest in schools. Um, and then on top of that, um, there's a bunch of work that we're now starting to do around female engagement. Um, just just testing the waters at the moment with some of our with our girls' schools yeah, in particular. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. um yeah, look, there's a there's a national school strategy that's that's in place and, and, and we do a lot of work. Um with that and also with our golf clubs actually, you know, part of the conversation with our golf clubs has been well, you gotta think beyond your big fence. Um actually what do you do outside? How at- do you spread your tentacles beyond the big fence so that, you know, this local school sees the golf club as a resource Absolutely. as part of their community and the school as part of your community as a golf club. You know, but I think probably one of the challenges around golf is that we think too much about what's inside the fence. Um, what's really surprised me, you know, coming from football, is if you ask a local community footy club, why do you exist? What's your purpose? They will always say, uh, we exist to provide a, a sporting service for the local community. And when I've spoken to people in golf clubs about this, why do you exist? What's your purpose? They'll often say, um, oh, we exist to run a great course for our members. Yeah,
3: private clubs and and public courses would have very different motivations, very different drivers, I reckon.
6: And I can't, I couldn't tell you a sport that wouldn't think that they exist to serve the broader community, that they're an asset to the local community. Yeah. But our golf club, our golf clubs, I've, I've, I, you know, it's been a real surprise for me that because for me, community sport is about, you know, it's a part of the community. Your sporting clubs are a citizen of the community, and, um, you know, having spent all that time at Melbourne Uni, one of the things we wanted to be is we wanted to be seen in the local community as an organisation that supports, supports them. It's not just about football, but yeah. it's about all of us, so that's been a surprise for me. So starting to get our golf clubs to think about, well, what else can we be? What else is our identity beyond our big fence?
4: That's actually really important in the financial sense as well. Absolutely. I mean, you, you limit your market if you don't open your doors to the community.
6: Absolutely you do. And I think um, golf clubs, I think, are a great asset. And they, I don't think they understand what their power and, the power and potential of their facility is, but all the, also their people, mm. the IP, the network, the community. They're wonderful places. Yeah. But I, I think um, – you know. The Games change. Game development is completely different, and, and even game development in a sporting, organisational context, that didn't exist 30 years ago, 20 years ago. OzKick or VicKick back in the day was the beginnings of that. Softball did some stuff with Ray Olsop who became, I guess, the founder of Vitkick that became OzKick. You know, this didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I think golf really is playing a bit of catch-up, certainly at a club level and a regional mm. level. We're playing catch-up around, um, around game development and, and golf clubs really understanding what their role is in that and what the opportunity is for them if they get it right.
1: Hey, Shiloh, uh, when you started doing this, I remember looking at the program and talking to you about it and I felt like uh, they're extremely sensitive issues. You know, anything to do with gender can be sensitive. So I'm just wondering whether at the roadshows when you go out and talk to clubs, do you get pushback? Do you have people jump up and say... They don't like it. Oh,
6: know. they do it very politely because we are in golf. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of – there's a lot of everyone's very polite in golf, which and is very nice. How do you get through it? It's like, what? no, Shirley, but we do it very politely. When
1: that happens, what? how do you get yeah, through
6: look, it? Yeah, uh, look, to be honest, I don't think there's been a lot of pushback. No. Um, I think people are gen- generally pretty open uh, to the messaging um, around uh, what's been delivered in the roadshow. Um, and I think what we've tried to do in the roadshow is make sure that the messaging – is there's multiple ways to communicate the same point so that it, it um, that there's a way in which the audience can see relevance for them as an individual. So, um, you know, some of the, or the way in which I might storytell to try and get men to buy in might be very different to the storytelling process that I might use to get women to buy in to some of that. So, um, to be honest, they've been really open. And if we look at the impact survey that we do, we send a survey out to the to the attendees about two months after they've attended the roadshow, just to see that it's sort of sat with them and it's still mm. present. What are they? What have they done? What are they planning on doing? And look, our, our feedback's been really positive. They recognise that golf needs to evolve. Um, that they really enjoyed the roadshow. Um, that they re- that the roadshow increased their uh, sense of responsibility and um, their connection to their leadership role, um, and that they understand um, the needs of a diverse. An emerging market for the game are different to maybe what they've historically provided for. So, um, and they get that they need to be more inclusive. So, I think that's really positive. um, That they're, in fact, the survey results have been overwhelmingly probably more positive than I thought they might be actually. So, that's uh, fantastic.
1: You talk to them about legal issues, don't you? Because we're talking about equal access here, Andy, and Mm. uh, to to all members of, of golf clubs. And, you know, it's possible that it's illegal to uh, stop a full member of a – well, it's it's almost certainly illegal to stop a full member of a golf club from playing on particular days and stuff like that. So to me, the way I look at that is that the Saturday men's day is dead and and the Wednesday uh, women's day is dead, you know.
6: Well, a couple of points Is on that. that right? Yeah, well, prob- yes and no. Um, we have, uh, so we did a bunch of work, Simon and Magul- led a piece of work with the Australian Human Rights Commission over the last sort of 18 months to two years. It was released in March, uh, the Australian Human Rights Commission um, guidelines for the inclusion of women and girls in golf. Um, and that's been a big component of the roadshow this year. It was sort of a mm-hmm. half an hour segment of the presentation where we talked them through the guidelines, the checklist, what they need to do as a club to make sure that they've that they're, they're not liable um, uh, for, you know, there's no litigation risk for them, and probably and, they, and then help them um, put a, a course of action in place so that they can actually, um, uh, yeah, sort of ex- reduce any risk that they might have. Now, I guess a critical component of that is it's golf clubs' committees that are liable; that they hold, they're they're legally liable. Not your women's committee, not your match committee, not your social committee. None of those entities are, are liable. It's actually your golf club committee or your board and so they've got to get their house in order is our Constitution um, you know legally sound mm, that kind of thing um, so we've it's been a really it's been a good piece of work and we've loved working with the Australian Human Rights Commission it is their document there was a huge amount of um, consultation essentially these guidelines written by the Gulf community for the golf community through the consultation process that was extremely extensive um, but I guess the key things out of that for us um, that came from that probably the I guess the the big areas to sort of where there's been a bit of uh, uh, confusion, uh, some grey as to what we've historically done in the game, uh, has been around um, days of play, for instance. So it's illegal. You have to give women, and men, women and men, this you know equal access essentially. But um, and you can't, so you can't discriminate against either gender unless that discrimination amounts to a special measure where you are in a situation where one gender is specifically disadvantaged over another gender. So in our case in golf, 20% of our club participation is female. So if a club wanted to do something to try and attract and retain women and girls to, to the game with a view to trying to address that significant imbalance between the genders, if they were challenged by a man at their club that, oh, well, the women are getting that special thing that we're not getting, like a Women's Day of Play... If they were challenged, it's likely if they if they if it got taken to the commission that that would be deemed a special measure designed to attract and retain okay. women in the game, yep. and that would be legal. So we had it was a really good we had a really good case study um, that came up. A large regional club in Victoria um, that approached us, and they went through the guidelines, did all the right thing, and went. We think we've got a problem. Our Tuesday women's competition, we've got that, and it runs till about 12.30. We've got about 1,000 members, 20% are female, and because we've got such small female membership, the women are off the course by about 12.30, 1 o'clock. So we see, and the men can get on the course after that and play 18 holes, and therefore they can get around to of golf and they can use their membership. But because we're trying, to, we're trying to do the right thing and provide equality, we give the men of day a play the very next day on the Wednesday. But in reality, what that means is the course is shut down for female members until sort of 4pm until the men are off the course because there's so many male members. So in reality, what it does is create an inequality. So they recognize that having an all-male day of play, and the commission says that there is some notable risk in quarantining times for men only, and this is an example of that, it blocks the course out for a member. So I'm a seven-day member at that course or a five-day member, I can't get on the course and use my Wednesday membership because it's a men's day of play. Mm. The club came to us and said, we need some help around this. They wanted to sort of look at some hybrid solutions. They were worried about pushback from their members. We're going to lose X number of members. And we said, look, you know, really, you're putting yourself at risk. They went back, they assessed, and they realised that, yeah, they couldn't get themselves around it. So what they've done is they've opened up their Wednesday day of play. So now it's a mixed-sex competition. No women have played yet, but they're promoting it as a mixed day of play. And what they've done on the Tuesday afternoon after the women finish in the morning is they're offering the men um, a half-day Um, of play as well a men's competition now on a tuesday afternoon so both men and women get equal access to the course at all times but there are still a lot of clubs who have a a men's day of play that wipes the course out all day and if you do that you're putting yourself at risk of of litigation well that
1: Mm. what the example you gave is a perfect it's a perfect example how these things can be worked out if you just sit down in a room and talk about it and that's I guess what the road shows about is to explain yeah. to them exactly where they need to go with all this stuff. Tell us about the some other examples. I mean I know that for instance, I know of a club in, in Melbourne that had an issue with the women's championships because their best female players were all sort of uni student age and they couldn't play because they, they were having it midweek all the time, the championships. They couldn't even play in their mm, own course, championships. Yeah. They wanted to switch it to the weekend. But they couldn't get on on the weekend. So and I think that's changed as well, hasn't it? Uh, well, that,
6: that's a really big one. It's mm. quite interesting because in this situation, it's, it's a bit unique because... Um, It's actually, for the most part, it's women discriminating against women. Mm. And because club committees delegate responsibility or scheduling for um, club championships to the women's committee for the women's club championship. And so, of course, they generally schedule at midweek because they think it fits the majority. Now, if we're going to future-proof well, it's their, our sport...
3: It's their, it's their day.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. And if we're going to future-proof our sport, we have to cater for an emerging market, an mm-hmm. ageing population mm-hmm. that's going to work forever. Um, 61% of our working-age women now are in the workforce. It's a record number. So if you're only targeting 39% of your population, your working-age population, well, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. So what we've done, we had clubs come... We, it, it sort of came up as an issue across the roadshow and clubs said to us look you can articulate this really well but we can't sell it back to our clubs can you give us a template a multi-day club championship template that we could put in place with some arguments for this um that would allow us to get the buy-in of our members so yeah we have developed a multi-day club championship template we've got a few clubs that are now piloting it and there's a great there's a, cl- a large club in melbourne that's that's about to do that now but essentially i mean i guess the Essentially, it's just giving women the opportunity to play, and stroke play as opposed to match play, uh, giving women the opportunity to play their round midweek or on the Saturday, and it counts to the same competition. Well, the first argument you get back is, what about the conditions? Way might be different. Well, actually, if I play at 9 o'clock and a storm comes through and you play at 1 o'clock, your conditions might be better or worse than me. But we, what do we say? Oh, that's just golf. Oh, yep. And at the end of the day, we're not on the LPGA. It's community club <laughs> golf. What we're trying to do is facilitate inclusion, not exclusion. We've got 1,500 golf clubs in the country and some golf clubs will say, oh, well, but it's only five women at our club. Well, hang on, there's 1,500 clubs in the country. You multiply that by five women at every club, that's a lot of women we're saying no to. And can we afford, if you look at our participation rate, can we afford to say no to engagement, female engagement? Maybe there's only
1: five women in the club because of those rules that exist. Oh, exactly. They feel
3: like the joint's... Not a so the, an upside, a in, in place, the yeah. upside
1: for golf in all of this is absolutely monumental. Of course, it is. I, I really believe that. Oh, so, I think we all agree. Uh, you just table. just have to sit down and talk about it and work it all out. I reckon in ten years' time we won't even be won't even be talking about so, it. So it'll la- all be done.
3: Agreed. Last one before I'm done. Have you seen? Is it too early to have seen any kind of? participation reaction at this stage? Has there been...?
6: Yeah, look, I think it is. early. It's very early days, and a lot of our work hasn't been focused um, on trying to max out participation straight up. It's really about building foundations because, to be honest... We've got to get the cultural piece right. Yeah. If if yeah. a woman walks in or and and and, and look in footy, I, I know how much courage it took me to walk into a football club however many years ago, and and even in golf, you know, it's it's scary, you know. So if if a woman walks into a golf club or a girl walks in there, we need to make sure that she's greeted not only with a great facility, but with a culture that suits her needs. That says you're welcome, and we want you, and we're going to make it easy for you to get in here, and we're going to keep you here, we're going to retain you. So I think we've got to do that cultural piece first, which has been a lot of what the roadshow's been about planting the seeds. On not just you know giving you a participation program that you can do and then shoving a membership form under your nose and saying join tomorrow it's actually about going on the journey with her and working to her needs and making sure that our culture is supportive for her so that's been a big part of it And, and then what you'll see over the next little while is you know an expanded participation pathway that should you know that that will be um across the lifespan that is all female you know we're building my golf girls programs not just my golf but my golf girls if you think about auskick we've yeah. had you know you go to an auskick center now and there's always a girls group now in, the, in those and, and and that's increased female participation massively across all sports when they've had all female offerings so golf needs to do more of that positively though we have seen a shift in my golf we've we're tracking it's early days but we're tracking over 25 percent consistently every week female engagement it took it was we had to bust our backside last year to get to 24%. Mm. So we've seen an increase there, whether that's Hannah's effect, whether that's um, what we're seeing with the conversations or clubs are just working a bit harder in the my golf space, not sure yet, but we're really hopeful that that, that will be the first metric to turn. Um, but again, we've got to get our house in order and make sure that... Mm. We don't deter a whole bunch of women coming to the sport because we haven't gotten the culture right. It's twofold. Yes, participation, but they've got to be greeted with something that's really warm and welcoming and inclusive and diverse. And that's, that, that's the other half of the equation.
4: I think, Andy, we need to touch base with Shiloh a bit more regularly because oh, no that's question. such an important part yeah, of the game. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Keep up the good work. Thanks for coming in. There's always a platform here for you. Thanks. If you need to get the voice heard by as many people as you need to. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, uh, you. it's
6: great to – look, to be honest, it's – I'm loving working at Golf Australia, and I love the the innovation and ideas and creativity that comes out of our our organisation. And I'm very excited, you know, in our new One Golf World about what we're going to be able to achieve moving forward. And the people that I've met out in the golf community are, are fantastic people. They love their clubs, and they really want to have an impact. Um, they just sometimes just don't know what to do. No, that's and fair. that's that's yep. the critical piece. So that's the leadership piece that we take.
4: Will you sh- were you field some questions if people want to touch base on Twitter?
6: Absolutely, I will, yeah. It's good more, idea.
4: More stuff on Twitter. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if you want to listen or talk to Shiloh, we'll get you through Inside the Underscore Ropes and uh, we'll get on to it.
3: I well, we might even bring the questions in here in a couple of weeks and get you back in and yeah, answer them. Fast fire. Yeah, thank, perfect. Thank, thank. Shiloh Curtis, female engagement, senior manager, Golf Australia. Uh, keep up the good work. A break on Inside the Ropes. A couple of young blokes are going to join uh, join us on the other side of the break.
0: The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your Golf Link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf.
3: Welcome back to the show, Inside the Ropes. Great to have you with us. It's going to be a name. We've attached ourselves pretty much via you regularly here and routinely here, Hazy. We've attached ourselves to a couple of specific and particular (laughs) players on the way through and any regular listener to Inside the Ropes, the name Maverick Ancliffe will be well-known to yeah, them all hopefully. right now. Um, well, I mean... We've been following this bloke like we are, well, yeah, unpleasant and unwanted intruders <laughs> into his world sometimes.
4: Well, I mean, it's it started off, I mean, I, you know, paid attention to Mav's amateur career. And then last year, to me, it's all sort of seemed to blossom for him. And we, we had caught up at the Australian Open, it's, and it was such a prominent thing. But... I don't even think Maverick himself would have dreamt what was going to happen this year, Andy, insane. to be honest.
3: It's insane what's been happening in the last couple of months, and he's been good enough to join us on the show. Maverick, thanks for your time, mate.
2: Yeah, no worries, boys. What's going on?
3: Last time we spoke to you, I think you might have still been over in China and we yeah. had a bit of a lag and the telecommunications weren't great. Where do we find you this time?
2: Uh, just hanging out at home, just uh, just had a bit of lunch. So, yeah, it's good to be home.
4: You're at home in Queensland, of course. Um, you, You always take yep. the... Opportunity to get home whenever you can, don't you? Still loving home.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No place like it
4: now, mate. Let's talk about this. I mean, you have had one of the more extraordinary seasons. I know Andy's probably crunching yeah. the numbers uh, over there at uh, the uh, moment. Before
3: you talk, so, so go back to the 7th of April, right? Uh, uh, from the 7th of April, when you played um, in the uh, oh, I can't even <coughs> pronounce the Banga Bandu yeah. uh, Open. You've gone fourth, first, first, third, ninth, sixth, first, seventeenth, second, eighth, fourth. Uh that's not I'm not picking out the best results. They are all of the results. <laughs> it's insane what you have been doing.
0: Yeah,
2: it's um it's been a pretty uh Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting like last six months. Um the seventh of April though, that was the day I turned twenty six. So, I mean might be, you know, finally maturing a little bit, I guess. But um, <laughs> No, it's been, uh, yeah, like like Hazy said, I mean, everything's just kind of, you know, not like blossomed or anything, but, you know, on this journey, you just kind of, as you play, like, you know, you get yourself in situations, you know, you get uncomfortable, you might play well, you play poorly, so like, there's just so many learning curves, and then, you know, you just kind of, I guess, start to figure it out for yourself, and what you have to do personally to play well, and... Um yeah, I'd like to think I've probably done a a good job of that um, over the last few years, and it's just kind of starting to pay dividends.
4: So, Mav, so many pros, we talk to them regularly, go through their career without having a win on a big tour. Um, you know, it's a massive, as you say, a mental hurdle as is, is much as anything to get across the line. Why are you suddenly, having broken through, why are you suddenly so comfortable in that position?
2: Um, oh, that's, a, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to be comfortable in that situation, you know, because there's just so many different factors and variables and who's playing well and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's just like, you know, just being comfortable with being uncomfortable, like as cliche yep. as that sounds, but like, you just got to realize that if you're going to wake up, you know, you might feel, you might feel good, you might feel bad, but it doesn't really matter, you know. Like, at the end of the day, the golf ball's not going to know how you feel or what you're thinking or, you know, all that kind of stuff, so...
4: But I guess um, I I guess in some respects, mate, it's it's when you are in head-to-head battle with me and you know you've done it, and I've got no clue, mm -hmm. I've never been in this situation before, it's a massive advantage for you coming down the back nine on Sunday now.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Yeah, I agree, like, you know, if you've been there and you know you can close it out, I mean, if you've done it once, there's no reason you can't do it twice. So, I mean, that's how I think personally. So, I mean, I guess that kind of probably helps me a little bit. But, no, I agree. Like, going through it and then once you do realise you can do it, it is, um, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing.
3: So, do you feel like now, the where you're at with your game and it's falling into place the way it has, do you feel now, Mav, that you're ready to play? It doesn't matter who the other person or the other people in the group are now you're just ready to play anywhere on any tour against anyone
2: Yeah um yeah that's pretty much where I'm at to be honest um I kind of realized that after um Aussie Open last year I mean I got to play with some good players um and I was having a couple of beers with my caddy after the round on Sunday and I was just like you know it, it kind of dawned on me and I was just like hey like I feel like I can, you know, do what these guys are doing and, you know, these guys are making a lot of money playing in big tournaments and doing really well in them. And he was just like, yeah, I'm glad you finally finally see it that way. So Mm. um, that was kind of like the light bulb switched on there. And then um, obviously, uh, like I played well in some tournaments last year and then kind of fell over a couple of times. So then to early this year, you know, put myself into some situations and then actually get across the line.
4: Oh, it was pretty cool, and then yeah. So, Mav, we—I was chatting to you a couple of weeks ago, and I was of the impression, incorrectly as I often am, that you, you, if you'd been on a different tour, you know, your, all your victories, particularly your third one, would have given you a, you know, a battlefield promotion, depending on where you were playing, of course. Um, yeah, I was yeah. I was unaware until you told me, but there's actually a very big prize at the end of the China tour that you obviously have uh, front running on as we speak.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. So it's um, well, it's the same category that Jake has on the European Tour from the Aussie Money List. So I think it's Category 16.
4: That's Jake McLeod, of course. You're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a mass, mm-hmm. it's a massive step, isn't it? From you know, from that dawning, as you say, in uh, at the lakes in November to uh, you know playing some great golf and, if I'm being fair, can probably in a tour in the big scheme of things. Mm. To the European yeah. tour potentially in in three or four months' time, it's a massive, massive trajectory that you've taken on.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with um, like my coach Grant, and like you know, just like physio and sports psych and stuff like that. Like just talking. I guess like the good thing is, you know, if it shakes out the way, you know, things happen or whatever you know if i end up winning the order merit um at least like i've had those conversations and like there's a plan in place kind of thing um you know if it, it can happen so quickly at the end of the Aussie summer you know you can have two or three good tournaments and you know you're right there um and then you know two months later you're heading over so you not, you know there's not as much time where you know i've been having these conversations with um grant and Jonah, and michael um you know, even my caddy and stuff like that, just, you know, just spitballing and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, yeah, it is a big trajectory, but I mean, if you have like a plan in place, you know, there's no reason you can't play well.
1: So, how many events left and what do you need to do? Like, if you had one more good result, would that be enough? Or?
2: <clears throat> yeah, so um, the thing, so there's three more tournaments left. Uh, the next two are Challenge Tour events, one's in Hainan Island, uh, one's in Farashan, and then the last one's a Tour Championship, so, um, but these, the next two, the purses are substantially larger than the rest of the year, so, um, but then obviously the fields are deeper being co-sanctioned with the Challenge Tour, so, um, honestly, I don't really know what I have to do, I'm just, you know, just going to take it one shot at a time and just try and do the best I can, and um I know if I play well, then you know I'll be in good standing. Is it Grant Field to
1: you'd work. talk about too, Maverick? Is it Grant Field your coach?
2: Yeah, that's him. Yeah.
1: You've had much to do with Cam Smith, his protege there, and uh, talked to him much uh, about yeah, I mean, about you know being a young pro and working your way through.
2: I mean, uh, I mean Smithy and I like came through all the Queensland stuff together, and then yeah, you know, played like junior teams together. Uh, I think we played an Open Interstate Series together when we were both 18. Um, I actually played practice round with him at Aussie Open and stuff. But, I mean... I don't so, know is there inspiration there? Stuff.
1: You know, does he, is it inspirational to you, to see what he's done?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, you go out and play practice round with him, whatever, and you're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, if he's doing this on a big stage, then, you know, you hit some shots that are pretty similar, you know. There's no reason why you can't do that, so... He hits a pretty good wedge, doesn't he?
1: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, he's pretty deadly from inside 100.
3: <laughs> so when you were coming through the junior teams together, Mav, was there much between you?
2: I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like, you could always tell that Smith, he was, like, he was different, you know. Well, not different, but, like, he was just better. Like, yeah, um, you know, like, what he won his first Aussie straight play when he was, like, 17. Like, it was pretty, pretty good.
3: And you're going to be... Uh, like... Sorry, mate. No, 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 you're good. So, um, you've told, you've told us what's ahead of you. You know, back in China, Australia. Like, you've have you got the full suite of events here?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to playing the Aussie summer for sure. Yep. Uh, Aussie Open, Aussie PGA, will be really fun. So, um, yeah, I'll try and play the whole Aussie summer, um, starting hopefully before New South Open. But um, yeah. Hopefully, New South Open will be Open. What and hair, PGO.
4: What hair are you going to be rocking, mate? Because this is going to be a good
1: big question. talking point. Yeah, a really good question.
2: Oh, I'd be, it'll be long, because long,
1: yeah, magic. Any top yeah. top knot yeah. action or anything? Like nah,
2: no, nah, I like running the. I just like tucking it behind the ear, so it looks like I've got so, a bit a mullet. So Jack
1: <laughs> Jack Wilson
3: long or Zach Blair long? What what sort of long are we going with here?
2: Um, definitely shorter than Wilson's, yeah. but. <laughs> Um, it'll probably be, like, just above the shoulder, I'd say. Nice. Wow. That's
4: what we're after. And, yeah, I just reckon that Mav would be a really good player for you to just learn to relax a little bit. Yeah, I know. No, you'd be the, too uptight, Maverick. That's it's the key just, to his improvement
1: yeah,
2: in the future. That's, a, that's one thing I've been working on, yeah, just, you know, just chilling out. <laughs> yeah. I think you're doing pretty well. Hey, I think you're on top not, of that. not so many Mavericks out on the golf tour, by the way. Uh, uh,
1: your parents obviously loved the uh, Top Gun films. That, I presume that's where it came from, and I bet you'd like a dollar for every time you, were, someone raised that. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'd probably be sitting on a beach in,
1: yeah,
2: I don't know, somewhere nice, you know, probably Malibu or something if I had a dollar for every time. Oh, it
3: sounds like where you are, uh, is no, not, like, Sounds like where you are is not too bad.
2: Oh, yeah, a bit far away from the beach, though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mate, good luck. Uh, it's been like you jump for, I don't know. Do you know what your uh, official, like, when I go back to that tournament I asked you about on your birthday, you were 488 in the world back then. Do you know where you are now? You're sort of in the 230s somewhere, is that? Have I got that right? Do you keep an eye on this stuff?
2: Um, I don't look at it that often, um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say you're probably around the mark oh, there. It's an I, awesome one. I haven't looked in a while, so.
3: Well, mate, we'll keep doing that on your behalf. Hazy, we'll keep stalking you, um, you know, and as long as you keep answering the phone, we'll, we'll continue <laughs> to do more of it. Hey, good luck with everything. well, mate. Yeah, it's been awesome to watch the climb, mate, you're and beauty. thanks for being available to us again. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. All the best,
3: Maverick Ancliffe joining us here on Inside the Ropes.
6: G'day, this is Kari Webb, and you're listening to Inside the Ropes, a great podcast to catch up on what's going around
2: the world and on all the women's professional tours.
4: Well, Andy, it was great to talk to Maverick Ancliffe, and I've got another Queenslander who uh, is going to be, well, I would say largely unknown to many of our audience as we speak, but by the end of this week, hopefully, fingers crossed, he might be a name that the whole world's taking notice of. Now, I have to admit that uh, I didn't know too much about Jack Trent, Jack Trent. Jack Trent. And I was watching the US Amateur leaderboard tick around a couple of months ago, and I saw this Australian flag, and I hadn't even budgeted on it. And I'm going to apologize to him here in a second in person, but I had to go back and do some digging (laughs) about who Jack Trent was. So Jack is from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, um, beautiful budrum, uh, and left to further his golf career with his family. And he's based himself in Nevada basically since he was 12, and I'll find out the age and all the details and everything in a second. But Jack Trent, would you believe, Andy won a tournament in Nevada earlier this year, which gave him a start in the Shriners Hospital Open on the PGA Tour this weekend. Is that right? He's fair dinkum oh, well, playing on the PGA Tour this week. And he's, he's speaking from, to us in the lead-up to it. Oh, mate, oh, he's, 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 a, he's a good young man. Jack Trent, welcome. We're very thrilled to have you on Inside the Ropes. Uh,
5: thank you. It's pretty cool to be on here. So I was uh, just uh, excited with all the um, exposure I'm kind of getting and getting you to like the spotlight I guess
4: well it sounds like it's something you're going to have to deal with in years to come because you're building a, a you've built a great reputation in high school golf in Nevada and that's translated into the collegiate scene you're playing for UNLV it's uh, it's quite the resume you're building mate and I apologise that we didn't know too much about you before this year
5: no you're good um, I have been very much a fly under the radar type guy um, I've always been like that um, but yeah, I guess the last few months, uh, starting from um, when I won our home tournament, um, I've been starting to get a bit more exposure, I guess. Uh, I only made Instagram a year ago, so I really, haven't really been on <laughs> social media a whole lot. Um, but um, yeah, no, I've been playing some good golf of late. Uh, USFM was a treat. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this.
4: So. so that tournament was the. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, mate. But the Southern Highlands Collegiate, uh, and you you uh, mm-hmm. you had a you had a, you claimed a pretty big victim there, I believe. Just even to win that tournament um, to get through, you might want to tell us about that. And could you believe the prize on offer?
5: Yeah. Um, so at the start of the week, I um, I found out that um, a sponsored exemption of the Shriners was uh, available. So that was the first time they've done it um, for this tournament. Um, and our home tournament um, at Southern Highlands usually hosts really big events, one of the biggest events in the the country for collegiate golf. Um, you've got teams like Texas, Oklahoma, California, um, Georgia Tech, uh, all the big top 10 schools. Uh, so they decided to give a sponsored exemption uh, for the Shriners. Um, so, you know, it was kind of in the back of my mind, and I got off to a good couple of rounds and went, Sixty-seven, sixty-eight uh, had a three shot lead. Um, and the tee times are based on uh team scores. So I was, I went out early and I think I had a six shot lead at one point. Um, but the other guys hadn't really teed off. Um, then I hit myself in the clubhouse and I see Cole hammer, who's currently I think number one or two in the, I'm um, um, in the world right now. Uh, He was up to like six, seven under under round and closing in. And um, he almost hung out his wet shots on the last to win it outright. But he birdied the last three holes to tie me. And usually in college golf, you don't do a playoff for the individual thing. Um, You just take the wagger points and um, split the win. But since there was an exemption on the line, we had to go to a playoff. And, um, yeah, I ended up knocking him off after three holes, which was pretty cool. So... Cool that's idea.
3: outstanding. Yeah. So, can I go right back to the start, Jack? Hazy in the intro said that you moved over to America when you were twelve. Was that how did that come about? Uh, what was the story there? No, I
5: moved here when I was about fifteen and a half. Okay, I um, so I was born in Brisbane. Um, I lived in Perth from when I was two to ten years old, and I picked up golf over there. Yeah. My um, my grandma actually got me into golf, of all people. Um, and yeah, the only thing that's the thing that really got me into golf was um, hitting coloured golf balls and collecting tees. That's literally <laughs> what I liked. So, um And then I lived back to Queensland when I was 10, and then for the next five and a half years, I was based out of the Sunshine Coast. And then um, we decided to back up and leave, and now we're based in Las Vegas. So pretty drastic news.
3: So I reckon there'd be a lot of young so, Australian, myself included, Jack. We knew kind of nothing about the college system when we were growing up. I think... It's a bit more um, understood and there's a, a larger profile for it kind of now. But was this something that you were always aspiring to do?
5: Um, no, Generally, in the Australian mentality, it's, you know, you get to like 18, 19, 20 years old and, you know, you usually turn pro and college really isn't a, a thing. And that's kind of what I was thinking about doing, you know, and I got to about 16, 17 years old and I realised that, you know, I probably can't. Pro because I'll be broke in two months um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go to college um, <clears throat> so I think the college system is um, extremely good it's a really good feeder for like web.com and PGA Tiller um, and I honestly believe that you know the top 10 top 20 college guys right now can you know beat half the guys in tour. I think um, just really high quality golfers I mean you, you know you've got john john rahm matt wolf um Victor Hovland, Colin Carl literally just come out and just won on tour I've played with all those guys um so yeah it's just a different it's something that unfortunately we don't have in Australia, but I guess that's based on population mm-hmm. we you know we have three hundred million less, so we don't have the opportunity to do that but um you know the college golf i absolutely love it. Um, I'm in my third year now. So I'm starting to get used to it and get all the getting some good finishes going. So, so it's
1: Monday night in Vegas now. Uh, have you been down to the course and have you seen the draw? Do you know who you're playing with? Have you run into any of the other Aussies at all or people that you know?
5: Um, well, actually, I'll tell you in a second, but I'm... Um, okay, um, yeah, I used to be a member at Tipsy Someone uh, for about a year and a half right. when I first moved here. Um, so I do know the course quite well, and uh, I actually I'm actually playing a practice round with Adam Scott tomorrow. Oh
1: yeah! Oh wow! That'll um, look. That'll look. Have you met him before? Uh, yeah, he
5: went. <laughs> yeah, he went to UNLV.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Um, when back when he was a guy for about a year and a half, so I coach set it up, and I'm meeting okay. him for lunch tomorrow around noon. We're gonna have a practice round, so I haven't met him before. Oh
3: Jesus! Mm. Are you? What are you more nervous about, hanging out with Adam Scott and having lunch, or stepping up on the first tee and hitting that ball on Thursday?
5: Well, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to take it more as just another golf tournament, but I'm going to, have to find out what my nerves do tomorrow on the first tee with Adam. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't reckon you could uh, be in better hands, mate. Well, I mean, that's great. He,
4: he, he's obviously done a bit of tripping around Australia as a young fella himself and obviously the UNLV link as well. But, you know, you're in perfect hands there. Mm. He's got such a passion for the development of Australian golf. So that's, that's just unbelievable news. I had no idea you were doing that.
5: Yeah, no, it was something that came up only last week and um, I was actually at the gym doing some uh, rows on the back machine and uh, I got a phone call and I'm like, Oh, who's, who's this? Don't really want to stop, and I ended up answering it, and he was like, "Hey, that has got you." Oh "Oh, shit! (laughs) I dropped away. It's lucky lucky you you didn't think it was one of your mates.
1: It's lucky you didn't think it was one of your mates. winding you up.
5: (laughs) Didn't want to answer it, you know, with a couple of swear words or anything like that, but uh, no, it was was a surprise, and you was like, "Yo, you coaches." contacted me and would you like to play a game with me next week i'm like yeah I'd, absolutely yeah no i'm gonna so. pass on that yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great story that yeah. is a great story yeah. uh do you keep the
5: number yeah, no, thanks for the offer but uh, i'll pass <laughs> on <from> out <that>, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as a queenslander would it be uh, fair uh, to say he he would be kind of one of your golfing heroes as such is he someone that you you've followed and obviously winning the Masters mm-hmm. first Australian to do so. Is, is he one of your the people that you've looked up to?
5: Yeah, definitely. Um, something freaky, I guess. We actually went to the exact same high school and the exact same uh, home club when we were in Queensland. And now I'm going to the same school as him and now I'm playing with him in a practice round. So mm. I'm not trying to stalk him, but I mean, <laughs> I have been. It, <laughs> I think, it, like, coincidentally doing the same he has so. well we're, we'll fit and you out course, for a green
4: jacket in about 2028
5: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> hey mate this, nice. there's plenty of people's footsteps that you could uh, do a whole lot oh, worse yeah. than following so hey uh awesome <laughs> this is a great story there's yeah. a whole another reason now to be uh, tuning in on Friday morning our time to uh, watch a bit of golf I've got to say and you yeah. know, I'm sure
4: Blake you'll say exactly the same thing I'm loving listening to you talk, Jack, for someone who's spent the developmental part of your life in the States. You're still sounding like you've got the right accent. Yeah, he, he. yeah.
5: hear. Yeah, uh, the kids at school used to try and, you know, break me down and say, oh, say this in American. What's your American voice? I'm, I don't have an American voice. I never will, so you're not going to get that out of me. <laughs> good man, good man. Good uh, it refused to be broken, I guess. Good man.
4: Well, I mean, I I thrilled Andy, as I said when he, when I saw it on the US amateur yeah. web page. I just thought it was great to see that Australian flag there. So, mate, hopefully that this uh, you, you're chatting to us here will open up a few doors and, and I guess waves of support from home. Hee <laughs> Mhm. Yeah,
5: mate no, I I've uh I left a, quite a few years ago now, so I don't I didn't really get my name out there because uh, you know I it you know, 15, junior. So, um, so yeah, it's cool if, you know, some of my mates, I guess I played golf with, uh, see what I'm doing and stuff. So that'd be cool.
3: Mate, good luck. Uh, yeah. We're 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 all better for knowing the name now, and hopefully uh, it sticks itself onto the front page of the leaderboard uh, over the weekend. That would be a hell of a story, and I'm sure a whole lot more people back here are going to know a bit more about Jack Trane if that happens. Good luck, mate. We wish you all the very best. Thanks for joining us on the show.
5: Thanks. you. It's been For really best. cool talking to you guys. So, appreciate
3: all the support. No, not hey, man. at all. Thanks, Jack. Jack Trent joining us on Inside the Robes. Well, that, well <laughs> how good was that? I mean, that,
4: that is, i, I I'd never heard of, I've never heard of Jack Trent before. No, and I had to, as I said, introducing him, I had to fess up. I mean, it's not my long suit to to know that sort of story, but I had chatted to him briefly, very briefly, to tee that up. I think he might have been on the rowing machine. I didn't realize I was probably calling right before Adam Scott. <laughs> um, and it was hard work to sort of understand because he was he was rowing away, but uh I'm loving him already oh, yeah, I'm, no, that's, oh, awesome. God, that's just such a great story, a cracking story, and I apologize, yeah. I thought he was 12 when he left, but fifteen no, um man. yeah, it's just great, and I think I think it's the Headlands Golf Club. we didn't ask him, but I think it's the Headlands Golf Club, which is just sort of between uh Budram and Maroochydore. and I think they'll be beside themselves this week when they see their boy playing on the p j tour. It's just unbelievable.
3: So he's got five hundred and sixty-seven followers on uh, Instagram. Five hundred and sixty-eight <laughs> now. I've just followed him. So, uh,
4: Dare
3: to Dream underscore golf. So follow whoever they. Are. So, so get get around him. You know, God wouldn't it be something if you can get through to the weekend? And, yeah. What's know. his handle, Andy? Uh, Jack Trent Oz Aus nineteen. Good man. So there you go. If you want to what? follow him, get around him.
4: Yeah. So, uh, well. I'm still a bit speechless about what he just told us. So that's great. I'm really glad to see Adam Scott just doing that, just by the by. And not, no, that's a know. great thing. Yeah.
3: They're the sorts of stories that we need to know more of from these yeah. blokes. And that's the pity of you know, the, the, the lack of um, access to them at yeah. times. You don't, you don't know this stuff. And we think they're sitting in ivory towers, counting their cash yeah. and driving their Lamborghinis and living in a different world. But for Adam Scott to be picking the phone up and ringing up a bloke, he probably doesn't know. but Cold. Yeah, just mm. giving him a Love call. Right, come and have a yeah. game of golf and we'll have some lunch and we'll I, have a chat. That's that's
4: awesome. That's great. Yeah, it really is. So, Andy, I brought this up last week. Um, it's my duty again to uh, let all our listeners know about Golf Australia's Swing Into Spring competition, which is just jam-packed with prizes. Uh, entrants uh, get the chance to win one of three $1,000 Drummond golf vouchers and the chance to instantly win one of 23-month KO Basic subscriptions where you can stream over 50 sports live and on demand. And all you have to do is enter at winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. Man, if you don't. Winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. Well,
1: yeah. It's been a popular one, that one.
4: Yeah, it's good prizes and, you know, it's it, we're happy to happy to mention it. So winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. Get, in, get involved, get on board, and have a go. Uh, a
3: couple of bits and pieces. Asian Pacific Amateur, uh, Blake Windred, just couldn't close it out. He was... Yeah. We, it was we, there for a long time. We've had
4: a, a growing catalogue, unfortunately, of guys who have been writing the the cut and thrust on Sunday mm. in the last four or five years and haven't quite gotten over the line for various reasons. And full credit to uh, Blake Windred, led for three rounds, did all the heavy lifting, just didn't quite get it done on Sunday. Also credit to Carl Phillips, who came through to be the leading Australian. Uh, really solid golf for the weekend. First in time particular. for Carl too. First so. time, and he's. Uh,
1: and he's a, well, he's going to be one of the favourites next year. Yeah, he yeah and
4: he's, and he's about to go to Stanford, which means he's presumably got three to four years more of this tournament left yeah. in him.
3: So I wonder if Tiger will be ringing Carl up. Oh, do you want to come and have a hit? Yeah, I can't. Imagine. Tiger was Stanford one of you? Yeah, Stanford. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah.
5: For
4: about yeah. twenty seconds. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um you know great credit to Carl. He's he's obviously developing. We're looking forward to seeing him at the Junior Presidents Cup at Royal Melbourne in a couple of months' time. So. Good goal for him. But five of the six Australians, Andy, finished in the top 21. Yeah, great result. Um, so it was a good effort in that sense. But Yuxin Lin, who won at Royal Wellington a couple of years ago. Well, you were in Wellington, weren't you? Yeah, I watched him. I couldn't believe some of the shots he played then. And he's put on weight and he's he's full. He's the real deal, this he's kid. He's um, Young left-hander from China. Got the job done over the world number one amateur, Takumi Kanaya, who's also a name known to Aussie golf fans. And, um,
1: and Hazy Blake Windred and David McLuzzi immediately turned uh, turned pro. Yep. Um, they both look like they could be good professional players. Absolutely.
4: And mm. I've been pros in waiting for, um, you know, probably a year and a half now. The 63 that Blake shot on the on the Thursday, that was next level golf. Mm. That was mm. – um, he, he described to me around that I was watching him play at the Interstate Series this year as being like he was playing uh, PlayStation. That was the same. Like he had it on a string there mm. for a while, and that's what's going to stand him in good stead in the – in the pro ranks. So you can go, go really low. Got the capacity to just dial something crazy up. And that's, yeah. I think that's what you need. I mean, it's well and good to, sh- you know, shoot 70 every time out and you'll make a lot of money, but you probably win more tournaments doing it, you know, the, you can, down. the capacity to, to go up and down a bit. No doubt. No, yeah. no doubt. Um, yeah, great, great results to the boys and well done. G- tremendous amateur careers by Micheluzzi and Windred. Um, to get into the top 10 in the world rankings is a phenomenal achievement. Around
3: the world, no, none of us made the cut over in uh, – Britain, unfortunately, so we all miss there. Anything else around the world that we don't know about this week?
4: Yeah, uh, Whitney Hillier, yeah. I think. Um, hole in one? Yeah, the hole in one at the uh, Mediterranean Open on the L.E.T. So she finished seventh, which was a uh, season best, and congrats. After a, a pretty wild 75 to start, she's closed 66, 72, 70, including that hole in one, Blakey. You can see that on Golf Australia um, uh, Twitter. Um, great result for the young Perth lady, and, and she's, she's, you know, I think she's due to find a bit of form and have a big domestic summer when she comes home. So, well done. She's a delightful woman. So, that's that's a good result. Uh, I think the other best results, Andy, probably came in Japan. Brendan Jones led the way there. Ninth place finish in the Panasonic Open, one of the big ones there. mm absolutely. i got a quick one, Andy. Yes, the please. South
1: Australian amateur was played uh, this week, and Kono Matsumoto, who's in the VIS Squad won it for the second time. It was actually a bit of a surprise because Dohee Choi from New South Wales dominated the stroke play and was absolutely dominating her match play phase as well. But Kono got her in, in the final. And Lewis Hoth from Queensland, who's a goal coaster, who's previously won the Queensland amateur, I believe. Yeah, he's in good uh, he won the men's South Australian amateur. So okay. well well done to those two. He's in mm-hmm. good nick, Lewis Hoth. He's playing well. And one last one from the
4: LPGA Tour, Andy, from me. Um, Suo and Sarah Kemp both uh, finished... Eight under, and that's really good going. Um, and the the Brickyard Crossing, that's the golf course that's in the middle of the Indianapolis race track.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, t- yeah.
4: But unfortunately, uh, Mee jong her finished at 21 under. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just, uh, it's a, super, a slaughter fest, that one. But mm. really good. Sue and Sarah Kemp, eight under, tied 15th. So good results there.
3: Uh, there's been a lot to digest in all of that. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, Take on board what Shiloh Curtis was talking about. If you're a, on a committee at a golf club and you haven't quite got your head around all of that yet, it's pretty important, I reckon, that we do. So Just talk about it. And we'll stay on that one as well on the way through. Uh, good to see you. Thanks, Murray. Good see to you, see Murray. you again, Blakey. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been Inside the Ropes. We'll be back next week to do it all again.